This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this night and all those things we're remembering. I pray that you would speak to us once again by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to imagine that you are on a plane when you smell something burning and you see smoke coming out from under the cockpit door. And then you hear the captain's voice telling you that you have to make an emergency landing at the closest airport. The young flight attendant is visibly shaking and her voice is trembling as she reads the words from the printed card appointed for such a time as that. You have two minutes left. I wonder what goes through your mind. What will you want to do in the two minutes before the plane either lands safely or doesn't? This was not an academic scenario for the 67 passengers and crew on board flight 7618 last Sunday from Toronto to Washington, D.C. My brother Christopher was one of those passengers. I got a text message from him while Andrea and I were attending the Squirrel Hill community group. Christopher wrote, Smoke in cabin, about to do emergency landing. Love you loads, C. Thankfully, the captain landed the plane safely, and everyone was evacuated down the inflatable slides without injury. But it's all rather sobering. What would you do if you thought your life might be coming to an end? That soon. I guess... There were probably a lot of people on last Sunday's flight sending text messages similar to the one I received from my brother. On this Monday, Thursday, we are remembering the events that took place on the night before Jesus died. What did he do in his final hours? Well, we see that Jesus did two things. First, as we heard in our epistle reading, he instituted the Lord's Supper, or Holy Communion. And second, as we heard in the Gospel passage, he washed his disciples' feet. And the context for all of this, of course, is Jesus' profound love. We heard earlier, now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. They had gathered together in an upper room to celebrate the Passover. And in our Old Testament reading, we were reminded of that familiar story of the first Passover and that terrible night when the angel of the Lord struck down all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt and God executed his righteous judgment. And so for the Israelites, that day became a day of remembrance. They remembered the judgment of God. 
They remembered the lambs that were sacrificed and the blood poured out. And they remembered that it was the blood that was smeared on their doorposts that saved them. And it was on that night, years later, at the time of the Passover festival, that Jesus met with his closest friends to observe that special day of remembrance. And then, as Jesus breaks the bread and pours out the wine, that simple act, that simple ceremony is given new meaning and new significance. Although God had saved his people from slavery in Egypt long before, their real problem had not been dealt with. Their slavery, not to the Egyptians, but their slavery to sin, their slavery to death was still ever-present. But the time had come for God to deal with that once and for all. The righteous judgment of God was once again to be exercised. Once again, there would be salvation only through the blood of a lamb. But this lamb was not the bleating kind. This lamb was Jesus. The one whom John the Baptist proclaimed when he first saw him, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so this night, perhaps more than any other, we pause to remember what Jesus did for us. In the bread and the wine, we have something very tangible, something we can see and touch and smell and taste. In the words of the song, Tasting Forgiveness, we are tasting forgiveness, drinking of mercy, and feasting on redemption. When we come to communion, we come to receive Christ by faith in our hearts. As we remember Christ's death, we share in it and proclaim it. And we do so not with grief, but with thanksgiving, as we thank God for sending his only son to die for us. As we proclaim also his resurrection and as we look forward to his coming again. But tonight we are also challenged by Jesus' life, by the one who came not to be served, but to serve. The same night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he also set us an example. Of course, his whole life was an example, but it was on this occasion that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. In the year 400, Syrian bishop Severian of Gabala, preaching on this evening's gospel passage, said this, He who wraps the heavens in clouds wrapped round himself a towel. He who pours the water into the rivers and pools tipped water into a basin. And he before whom every knee bends in heaven and on earth and under the earth knelt to wash the feet of his disciples. Jesus loved his disciples to the end, to the utmost. He, he loved all of them, even Judas. 
And so this Monday Thursday account of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples is a poignant, powerful, frankly shocking scene. Some of you may know, I'm not actually a big fan of foot washing. I find it all a bit awkward. It's a bit embarrassing and it feels so anachronistic. You know, it's not part of our culture anymore. And I guess when all is said and done, I, I just don't like it. And I really don't like people touching my feet. Ironically, I think that perhaps does put me in touch a little, albeit for very different reasons, with the disciples, who also had a really hard time with foot washing on this night. Now, it wasn't for them because it was a weird thing to do to have someone wash your feet. It wasn't. Guests had their feet washed. No, what made it so awkward was that it was the job of a slave. And on this occasion, no one had uh, taken the trouble to do the hospitable thing and see that the disciples had had their feet washed. But Jesus, rather than wondering why no one had taken care of this, or logging a complaint, or organizing someone to do it, he just got up and did it. The washing on that Thursday night was a very dramatic analogy, if you like, acting out, if you like, of the washing that was to follow the next day, a very different kind of washing. You see, this whole thing wasn't only about Jesus being willing to take on dusty, dirty feet. Rather, it was about Jesus being willing to take on the grime and the filth of human sin. Your sin. And my sin. And so what Jesus did in washing the disciples' feet was pregnant with meaning at multiple levels. It is only when Christ washes us that we are truly clean. And the cross is where we see the ultimate act of washing and purification. As Jesus washes us by his blood. You know, you cannot wash and clean without getting somewhat wet and dirty yourself. Well, how much more is that true in tackling the stains of sin? Washing a rebellious world is a messy business and a costly job. Jesus, who knew no sin, took on the dirt and stain of our sin, paying the ultimate price to make us clean. To take the part of the slave and wash feet is one thing, but to become the criminal and be punished for the sins of the world is quite another. On Monday, Thursday, Jesus humbled himself and stooped to wash the feet of the disciples in what was an enactment of the ultimate humiliation that he bore for our sake on Good Friday to wash us clean from sin. When Jesus comes to Peter, Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I don't think so. 
Peter didn't understand what Jesus was doing. But why was he so opposed to having Jesus wash his feet? Was he hung up with people touching his feet, like me? I doubt it. Was he embarrassed by the whole thing? Feeling guilty that Jesus, of all people, was doing this menial task? Probably. Yes, I should think so. But as is so often the case, when we find ourselves in very awkward situations, we often experience a whole range of emotions and reactions. I wonder, perhaps, there was some pride there, too. After all, it wasn't just humiliating for Jesus. It was humiliating for Peter. It was also very awkward. It's never easy accepting what is necessary to be clean. I think it, it always feels somewhat humiliating to come to the end of yourself. And uh, it is genuinely humbling. And it, it costs something to be willing to receive help. But however humbling, however awkward it may be, it's always worth it. Always worth it. And so tonight, the question I pose is, are you willing to let Jesus wash your feet? Are you willing to let Jesus see them, touch them, hold them, bathe them, kiss them, perhaps? And I'm not really talking about your feet. I'm talking about those parts of your life that you want to keep covered up and hidden away. But Jesus comes and stands among us and says, I already know about it. I know about your secret sins. I know about that broken relationship. I know about your betrayal and your pride and selfishness. I know all about your stubbornness and your shame and your guilt. I know about your weakness and your fear. And then Jesus says to us, even though I know all of that, I love you. Let me wash you. Let me make you clean. Had our reading continued just a few verses further, we would have encountered in John's Gospel how this act of humble service, washing the feet of his disciples, came as an example for the new commandment that Jesus gave us, to love one another. Now, of course, that doesn't sound very new to us, either because we've heard it many times before or because Objectively, the command to love others has always been a part of God's law. It was there in the Ten Commandments. But the newness of what Jesus said is to be found in the degree and the depth of the love that we are called to demonstrate. Just as I have loved you, Jesus said, just as I have loved, you also should love one another. You see, that goes way beyond mere civility. That goes way beyond being polite or nice. 
Bishop Tom Wright says, this is to be the badge that the Christian community wears before the watching world. And the world does watch, not always very closely, but it does watch. The question is, what does it see? What is our badge at ascension? We're invited to taste forgiveness, drink mercy, feast on redemption. We're commanded to love one another, even as Christ has loved us. We're challenged tonight not by words, but by actions. And Jesus demonstrated what it means to have the heart of a servant. By the way, if you've ever wondered how to know if you have the heart of a servant, just see how you react when you're treated like one. And consider how Jesus reacted. Remember when this took place. On the night that he was betrayed. I love that those words are part of our Eucharistic liturgy every week. I'm always very moved by that when I get to speak those words. Because betrayal is a terrible thing. To be hurt by anyone is hard, but to be betrayed by someone you love, someone you've shared your life with, well, that goes beyond hurt. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas, whom he'd chosen. Judas, who he'd had so many conversations. They'd done so much together. He was one of the inner circle. And yet, knowing what he was about to do, Jesus knelt before Judas and served him. He poured out his love, even for his betrayer. And still tonight, Jesus pours out his love for all of us betrayers here. All of us who have scorned Jesus by our words and actions or by our cowardice and silence. Serving and living and being as Jesus served and lived is all about love. How will people know that we are followers of Jesus? By our love. What is our reputation? Well, tonight we get to enter into this great drama, we get to wash one another's feet. Like, actually wash it, like really, you know? Now, of course, you don't have to. No one should feel coerced or compelled. But I invite you to enter into this. I invite you to take a risk. Tonight, you have an opportunity to tell someone that you love them, not with words, but in the act of washing their feet. Tonight, you have the opportunity to receive love and let your feet be washed. Are you willing?